Hey everybody, it's Deb here. Welcome to the next episode of Uncomfortable. Comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Uncomfortable. Today, my guest is someone that I'm lucky enough to call a friend. Caroline McGilvery is the founder of Beauty Night Society, a Vancouver-based organisation that helps build self-esteem and change the lives of impoverished women. At the tender age of three, Caroline began to explore a relationship with movement, ballet, writing, musical theatre, voiceovers and acting classes fleshed out her world. In the year 2000, while researching an acting role, Caroline decided to found Beauty Night Society. And this was based on an interaction that she had with a woman who was in need of some help. After 18 years, Beauty Night Society is now an award-winning registered Canadian charity. Beauty Night has given more than 50,000 life makeovers to women who live in poverty. Caroline's efforts have not gone unnoticed. She is honoured to be a 2002 Flair Volunteer Award National Recipient, Shakti Public Service 2012 Recipient, 2010 Spirit of the Crane Gold Community Award Recipient, a Me To We finalist nationally, and a two-time Women of Worth finalist and a five-time YWCA Women of Distinction nominee. In addition to wellness and health promotional work, Caroline began teaching classes, workshops, speaking engagements, dance, qigong, yoga, aerial yoga, and that's just some of what she offers. In addition to her Beauty Night Society work, Caroline also is a master's in medical qigong, a yoga teacher, and a radio show host. I really hope that you enjoy our conversation. Now do note that there will be some adult language, so you'll want to pop your headphones on. All right, Caroline, thank you so much for being my guest on this episode. I'm excited to talk about body positivity. I think it's something that affects us all. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Now, tell us a little bit about Beauty Night Society, which is the nonprofit that you founded how many years ago? Are Can we you like, believe it's 18 years? Is it 18. I was telling someone, <laughs> I think it's 15, but it might be more, but 18 years. Wow. It's been 18 years. Um, wow. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. It kind of makes me wow too sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, tell us a bit about how that started and then what kind of your mission is with that. Sure. Uh, for Beauty Night, what we do is provide programming to off- to build self-esteem and change lives. And we do that through wellness, life skill development and makeovers. And uh, gosh... 18 and a half years ago I feel wow. so weird saying that and every once in a while people look at me I think it's because of all the yoga I do where yeah. they're like really you're, you're not, how old you are you look old at all. <laughs> <laughs> thank you how old were you when you started this yeah, thing like 15 <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, with that, um, I my first career was acting. So mm-hmm. since I was a kid, singing, dancing, acting, writing and producing from the time I was a really little thing that was producing stuff in my backyard and to present day where I still I still do the two shows every week. But with that, kind of that time between all that stuff, I uh, was working on a short film and it was for a organization that no longer exists called Crossfire Ministries. Okay. And it was for women who are trying to get out of uh, sex work and it was uh, founded by a man who had actually found God in prison, mm. who was a pimp before that. So I guess okay. to make amends, had created uh, two safe houses for the women so they could escape from their abusers and their pimps and to start fresh and okay. start to heal. So I started volunteering in the East Side at Wish Drop-In Center and wanted to make the women feel good. I didn't really know what that was, even though I'm born and raised in Vancouver. I really had no concept of what that was going to be like. So Mm -hmm. I knew I was there to serve meals, to call and help them find shelter beds. In a lot of cases, sometimes calling uh, either the street nurses to come in to do checkups for somebody, sometimes helping them fill in what they used to call the bad date sheet. And I really don't mean a Tinder date. I mean Mm -hmm. like stuff that, and I shouldn't joke about it, but just stuff that should never happen to any human being. It's just extreme violence and horrific where the women would want to warn other women so they would have a form. It's now called uh, the Red Alert Sheet. So that was my job. And mm-hmm. one night when I was volunteering, one of the women asked me what it was like to be a kid. And I said, what do you mean? You were a kid too. She said, well, not really. When I was a kid, um, when I was four, my dad was sleeping with me. By the time I was six, he was selling me. And by the time I was 10, I was in and out of so many foster homes. It was safer on the street. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. And what freaks me out is the more work I've done, so many women who are in the 50s and 60s in the downtown east side, mm-hmm. I hear stories like that a lot. Not everybody's dealt with the trauma and the trafficking, yeah. but there has been a lot of physical and sexual violence that's happened to them, which of course affects their self-esteem, how they perceive mm-hmm. themselves. And for some of the women over the years, they've told me just that where are they going to get a job making as much money mm-hmm. when they've been doing this for so long they've never had an opportunity to develop any other skill sets so there's that piece where it comes right down to I don't feel good enough about me Yeah, is what I hear um, through so many things in regards to for beauty night sorry I, as I digress <laughs> <laughs> no, <that's good. laughs> um, the one the woman um, one other woman came in one night who was dealing with a lot of trauma she was, ah, sorry, it's, she was, yeah, she was wearing torn clothes that mm. she definitely dealt with some violence that day and didn't want to eat, didn't want to sleep. When I asked, what do you want? She said, I just want to feel clean. Mm. So we got a, a shower stuff together. So, you know, like toiletries, mm-hmm. a towel. She went and had a shower and afterwards we were trying to find fresh clothes that didn't have any body fluids on it. And... There was a curling iron, so she's like, can I borrow this? And I said, sure. She plugs it in, but when it got warm enough to curl her hair, she couldn't get her arm up to curl it. And looked like she was ready to cry because it had been such a, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Uh, such a shitty day. Yeah. And 
I could tell she didn't want to cry, so I think I did what most people would do, which is I offered to try and curl her hair for her, mm-hmm. which considering the only hairstyle I knew how to do well was either a French braid or a ballet brun, this was a very brave thing yeah. on my account, and even braver for her to look at me and say, okay. Yeah, yeah, please help me. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so we ended up laughing a lot, and... From there, um, I French braided it because the curls really turned out poorly, <laughs> quite frankly. And uh, she thanked me for making her feel human. So that's how it started. Oh, wow. And then organically, every time I came and volunteered, more and more women started asking me to do their hair, do their makeup. And we found out it was a really lovely way to reintroduce touch to people mm. who experienced violence. Mm-hmm. And along the way, we've had scholarships from Future Hair School for some of the women. Um, we've also been able to place them with different organizations. Uh, we have some community partners have been terrific where mm-hmm. they've put them in school to become drug and alcohol counselors or doing the um, outreach programs so they yeah. get to become an outreach worker and start to work with some of the organizations that we partner with. So it's been really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like it's come from this just this one act of kindness mm-hmm. right into exploring other areas of how you can help and partnering with other community organizations that's amazing and what would you say in like all the years that it's operated what's kind of the biggest change that you notice in your participants I'd say probably the biggest change there's been lots um has been that sense of community that's Mm -hmm. been built and it's one that I love and sometimes we struggle with just with a lot of the funding cuts with the opioid crisis right now on the downtown Mm -hmm. east side that sometimes there are certain organizations that we're not able to partner with just because they don't have the funds to have to keep their doors open past a certain time um, or can't handle the capacity when x amount of people show up because there are times where there's over 100 people at a beauty night compared to, say, a recovery center or a transition home where there may be only 12 beds, and that's all we're serving that Mm -hmm. night. So the numbers can really drastically vary, which for an organization where um, I'd say a lot of people are dealing with compassion burnout, um, they're tired, a lot of people I know, it's interesting where I've been able to help them in different ways who I've known mm-hmm. for years, who've worked or managed different organizations now, taking early retirement, uh, taking time off and trying to figure out what they want, just trying to recover because they've been holding yeah. space for so long and where they need to actually turn inward and start to fill up yeah. and see what's next for them. Well, it's kind of looking after that, num- like looking after number one so that you mm-hmm. can then be of service to other people. Otherwise you burn out and... You can't. You can't help. It's so true. It's kind of like that analogy, and I keep hearing it, Mm -hmm. and it's a cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway (laughs) because I think sometimes with cliches, they're cliches because they're true. Yeah. Is they always encourage parents to put that oxygen mask on on a plane first before taking care of their children or a senior that's traveling with them. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if you die and you've got somebody who doesn't have that capability to take care of you, Well, it doesn't benefit either of you. And so with that, it always starts with Mm self-care. And going full circle with Beauty Night, it's weird because I thought I'd be doing that project when I was rich and famous from acting. (laughs) So I thought that was going to happen when I was in like my late 70s. And I'd originally envisioned it actually for people with eating disorders. Okay. 
Yeah, I grew up um, dancing. I did 15 years of ballet, a musical theater gig. Yes. So, <laughs> so it kind of goes with the territory, and ballet is great training. It's, mm-hmm. it's very good for discipline, uh, working hard. You can see the results when you work hard. But there also is that tendency sometimes to work a little too, too. hard. Mm-hmm. And there it is evolving now that different body types, like Misty Copeland, there's yeah. so many different dancers now where it's okay to be muscular. Yeah. It's okay to be curvy. But at one point, there was the perfect ballerina body. Mm-hmm. And, and you had to strive towards that. And so it was normal to where it was very common to hear people puking in the changing mm-hmm. room. Uh, people not eating, where at one point, I know this is going to sound insane, but I actually thought it was weak to be bulimic as opposed to anorexic in regards to myself because I have dabbled, I um, dabbled, I've, um, yeah, I've lived with bulimia for a very long time now. Mm-hmm. And with that, it was very interesting because I used to hate myself sometimes because I wasn't strong enough not to eat like other people I knew. And so that day when that woman was trying to curl her hair and just when I made eye contact, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny in yoga, there's this word on namaste. And for people who are listening with cultural appropriation, I'm going to apologize. I yeah. love that word. It is all about, you know, seeing yourself in other people where mm-hmm. usually it's a direct, the you know, the light, you know, I recognize and honor the light in you as you do with the light in me. Mm-hmm. And I also see the darkness, though, too. And I think that's the beauty is being able to see yourself in other people. And so that day, I felt that bad about myself, mm-hmm. that desperation. Um, I may not have experienced the same experiences, but I felt really bad about myself to that degree where it's just just that desol- desolation and yeah. wanted to make her feel good. And mm-hmm. so that's where that came from. And I think that's why that idea just automatically popped there. Yeah. Because I'd been thinking about it for years to the point I'd actually, in my 1970s, 1980s way, had actually drawn out um, plans. My uncle used, is an architect. So, <laughs> so when I was a kid, I used to try and emulate where it's like, well, this room will have a clothing room. This room, we're going to have the makeovers. Your dream home. <laughs> totally. Yes. This won't be the counseling area with this. Yeah. And because of the fact by that point I knew with um, bulimia anorexia and a lot of eating disorders uh, I don't know if that's a Freudian slip um, disorders um, with with the eating and with that it was it's a it's a way to feel control sometimes mm-hmm. and it's something that made you feel good mm-hmm. when not everything was in control. It's kind of the way sometimes people yeah. are OCD. Yeah. Where and I won't lie, I like washing dishes when um, when I get stressed out, mm-hmm. and because it actually helps me clear and pull out of the stress sadness. Yeah. It helps me actually function and move forward, and I think that that's important to uh, see what works for you, but making mm-hmm. sure, actually checking in with that actual core bit of yourself and breathing into mm-hmm. it, which. I know from Innocence Beauty Night, um, doing Qigong and yoga, sometimes the scariest thing in the world when you feel something is to breathe into it. Yes, it's really hard. I've had that experience as well with someone um, actually saying, you know, next time you feel really down or sad or depressed, like sit with it and see what comes up. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, what happened was 
in the end, it wasn't that bad. So it helped me be mm-hmm. able to kind of face it. I know not everyone will have that experience. It's probably a longer process for them. But I think it's really important to kind of check in and take care. And I know previous episodes we've talked about depression, anxiety, mm. um, self-loathing. Um, so I think looking after yourself is, is key. And then also not beating yourself up. So what does bos- like body positivity mean to you now given kind of your experience with beauty night and then your own personal experience with bulimia this may sound weird and it may sound super simple but i find uh, myself sometimes and a lot of people um it's Mm. i think it's a work in progress it's being enough Mm. and it starts with accepting who you are so Say you want to change your body, you want to be more fit, you want to be more smart, you want to be whatever it is you think you're not funny enough. Whatever it is, it starts with I am, those simple words, Mm -hmm. and being okay with whatever that is. And I find as that starts to shift, the other stuff starts to shift too because it starts Mm -hmm. with loving you and so is it more like a kind of um what's mm. called affirmation where it's like i am and you're trying to see what you want to be or do you think saying exactly how you feel right now even if it's hard to admit that i know it's gonna sound crazy but um, <laughs> nothing sounds crazy. <laughs> okay um i'm actually starting a challenge on valentine's day mm-hmm. and with that one of the first assignments for people is to actually stand naked in front of their mm-hmm. mirror mm-hmm in mountain pose so for those who may be listening who aren't sure what that is mm-hmm. feet about hip distance apart palms facing forward really imagine the crown of the head reaching up towards the sky feeling the neck slightly pressing back chin slightly down so that the spine's nicely in alignment making eye contact with yourself mm. in the mirror and just taking a few moments to breathe and then inhaling i exhaling am and just being with you so not saying not I am anything. or anything like other words. Mm-hmm. That comes next, I think. It starts mm. with okay. actually rooting first. Once that becomes a practice where, um, and then after that, doing reflection exercises. So what was the most challenging thing about that? Mm. And writing about that, what was the surprise? Yeah. <laughs> and doing that for 30 days where there's a little bit of variation with the reflection afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I think that that stuff starts to change. And doing that while, <laughs> I know this is going to sound really sadistic, but either A, there's two ways of doing this. One, if you're trying to also reduce debt is a really neat one. Hmm. Where you actually have to pay yourself 25 cents every time you catch yourself thinking or saying anything uh, self-deprecating okay. or negative about yourself. And that money goes towards paying off debt or yeah. putting it into a fund of something that's for your future self. Hmm. So you're paying that off. That. Um, the other one is putting with sadistic is putting an elastic band around your wrist, which you may bruise, oh, <laughs> yeah. and but um, where you snap it each time because there is something about that physical. So which for some people, this, that will work better mm. than the money. It depends what motivates okay. us and what feels good. Yeah. I encourage people try both. But when you really think about it, if we, sorry as I laugh, if we talk to another human being the way we talk to ourselves sometimes, Mm -hmm. 
wow, we really yeah. wouldn't be well liked in, I know. in um, an era where, in terms of going full circle to your question about body positivity, we're in a society right now where we're so on. Um, there's so many different thing, ways to communicate, whether yeah. it's Facebook, whether it's text, whether it's phone call, whether it's FaceTime, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, Snapchat. It's, it's overwhelming. It is. Mm-hmm. And people don't get as much time to unplug and actually just be with self. Yeah. And I think the more we can do that in terms of the body positivity, it starts with being with self and mm. being okay with you exactly as you are now. And I can't believe I'm going to quote Bridget Jones' diary, but as Mr. Darcy says, you know, I like you, Bridget. I like you just as you are. Yeah. And obviously, I so need work. He's so hot. (laughs) I like Mark Darcy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it's wise words. It really is. I think um, what I see popping up just Mm. talking about all the different ways of communication is I see a lot of people now taking like some sort of media cleanse, as they'd call it, or, you know, a day like digital detox Mm -hmm. where they take a day or a weekend or a week Mm -hmm. off all of the devices and I even know someone who did it for a month and so she could focus on writing her book Wow, which was great so I see that coming up a lot and um, I also you know I love Instagram in a way but then it it's worse for me it's worse than Facebook because it's you know image based Mm -hmm. and people kind of stylize their feeds and I mean don't get me wrong they're gorgeous they're beautiful, artistic, um, creative, but then you instantly think, oh, that person's totally got their life, like, perfect, and it's not. It's never like that. You turn around and you talk to that person, and, you know, they're like, oh, God, this just happened, and this happened, and now I'm in debt, and all these things, and so it's, you know, just that persona, I feel is kind of killing us all because we compare ourselves. We compare ourselves a lot. Mm -hmm. We also get 90% of our information from what we see according Mm. to, I think it's the John Hopkins Center of Medicine. I believe it's 90%. I've also heard it being 98, but I think it's 90. And we decide whether or not we like somebody within the first 10 seconds Mm -hmm. they walk through that room. And then we spend the next 30 seconds judging ourselves about that. Like, oh, I'm... You know, but in some of it, sure, is based on how we were raised, our perception. Mm-hmm. Because we, you know, I know for myself, I do come from a place of privilege. Yeah. So always having to check in and checking that out. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's that gut instinct that goes off. And I find when we're in that world of compare and contrast, yeah. we stop listening to that gut. Yeah. And Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. And it's like your mind is focused there and then it's not really... You're not focusing on yourself at no. all. And when we don't focus on us, which so many people are like, oh, that's so selfish. And it's just like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, what we need is to take that time to breathe, um, just acknowledging self, mm-hmm. however we choose to do it. So there are some beautiful things that are nice as a daily practice, but people get overwhelmed where it's like, oh, man, how am I going to have time to meal plan? Mm-hmm. How am I going to have time to go to yoga or go run for a run or whatever their choice of movement yeah. is to meditate, uh, to journal? Like there's yeah. so many lovely tools. So I was to say, just 
Take what works for you. Yeah, just Diff- one thing. Like yeah. I use an app called Calm, which is 10-minute oh, meditations. Mm-hmm. I know there's Headspace as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's just it's 10 minutes out your day and that's all it needs to be. And they even have walking ones. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have time to sit down <laughs> for 10 minutes, you could walk and listen on the way to work. And then you're being more mindful as you walk and mm-hmm. you're paying attention. And it's it's really helpful. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I know I've got Spotify and... And I download mm-hmm. quite a few, like Michael Seeley and, and Jason Stephenson meditations. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of them on my feed where yeah. sometimes, because I do teach um, out at SFU, so it's about an hour and a half uh, commute, commute mm-hmm. sometimes. So with that, it's nice where I actually chill out on the bus. If you are going to mm-hmm. do that, I'm going <laughs> to say make sure that your wallet and keys and all that oh, stuff yes. are in the inside pocket. <laughs> I know we're not as extreme as other parts of the world in terms of pickpockets, yeah. but yeah, but why still. test fate? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Careful as you meditate on the bus. <laughs> totally. And if things like, uh, say, um, like I know in our pre-show chat, we were chatting about business books, on, mm-hmm. about entrepreneurship. Or maybe you've been like, yeah, I really want to read different books. Um, apps like Audible are great mm-hmm. where you can download yes. different books. And there is something, one of my favorite blogs, and I cannot remember what it's called right now, which is really sad. He actually picks some of the top blogs and he reads it to you. And there's what? something, That's yeah, great. it's on my Spotify. I'll have to show it to you. Oh, yeah, but you it's... know what? Even <laughs> just send me the link okay. or the name of it and we can add it to the show notes. I'd so love people that. Have it. Yeah. Because I like being read to. Mm-hmm. And there are certain ones that really inspire me. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites was one that he read that was written by a woman who had created a form of exercise I'd never heard of. So she was a group fitness mm-hmm. instructor, personal trainer. And she talked about the first time she created this class, taught it. She started off with, I think, 15 people in the room. By the end of that hour, one person was left. Oh, God. So she felt about so yes. small, like not and even a As yoga high. teachers, well, oh, yeah. Yeah, relate to that. When you get one or two people showing up for your class, you instantly blame yourself. Oh, totally. Right? Where it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it's just like, okay, what, how can I best serve? What am I doing mm-hmm. wrong? But hers got so popular over time where she the the people who needed that started coming to her mm-hmm. class. She started building it and then she took it to the next level, which was training other teachers to teach that style of class. She was doing videos to do it for the training, so they had that for reference, but would always get another instructor to do it. And one day, um, when she decided to make these open for the general public, mm-hmm. Uh, the person who was supposed to be basically on front of the camera bailed that day Mm. and nobody else knew it so she had to do it and she'd been telling herself you know I've got the wrong body type I'm not perfect I've got wrinkles I got this I got that and what was really cool about that was she did it and that was when everything went viral Mm. (laughs) Mm. and people liked it because why because she was relatable because she wasn't perfect and even in that so-called perfect which people strive for sometimes in terms of you know it's not it's like I need to lose that last five pounds my waist isn't small enough my breasts aren't big enough you know my ass isn't firm enough or high enough or can't get rid of that little belly yes all of that stuff stuff. I wish I was one inch taller where Mm -hmm. I've actually heard of and actually know a few people personally with body dysmorphia um, where they actually want to be a couple inches taller mm. and they're actually going through the surgery, which means that you can't... I didn't even know there was a surgery yeah. for that. Ooh, it's okay. uh, And apparently it's excruciatingly painful. It reminds mm-hmm. me of The Little Mermaid, not in the Disney version, but in the original Hans Christian mm-hmm. Andersen one. Mm-hmm. 
where when she was walking, it felt like she was stepping on knives mm. when she went from her tail to mm-hmm. feet. So I think about that too and just what yeah. we'll do. And it and with things being so visual in terms of society, mm-hmm. and um, even if you look at pornography, uh, there is a wonderful documentary called Petals, which mm. is uh, based on Nick Harris's book. He's a commercial photographer. Okay. And his girlfriend at the time thought she looked really ugly quote-unquote down there okay and so he took pictures of her found if he did in black and white she actually could see how beautiful he saw her as wow and she showed them to one of her girlfriends Mm -hmm. who ran a support group for women who were dealing with violence and then some more and more of the women started asking if they could come in and pose for him so he ended up over about a year because everybody thought that this was incredible which it is where Mm -hmm. it was in where people could actually see parts of themselves where they thought that were dirty, ugly, yeah. disgusting, is beautiful. So it was taking that, and then uh, he created the book, which he had to self-publish. Of course. And with that, what I thought was neat was they eventually did um, a documentary, and it was very cool because they had a lot of different sex educators on mm-hmm. there. But what they talked about, which I've seen with um, Sexy Invincity, the show I do, mm-hmm. there's more and more people, because of the increase of pornography, And again, we're visually, you know, we get a lot of information for what we see where all of a sudden it's not enough or it's like my labia are too small or they're too big. They're too funky looking. Um, I don't like the color, you know, the anal bleaching, all of that. And um, Eve Ensler, which this one breaks my heart. She's the one who wrote the vagina monologue. Okay. Her yeah. follow-up to this was The Good Body, which I was lucky enough to have an opportunity to see her perform it in Vancouver twice oh, about wow. 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, she's got one monologue she wrote in that book, and it was about a woman for, I believe it was their hus- her husband and her 25th anniversary. And uh, all she'd ever wanted was to be able to feel connected, feel intimate with him feeling that intimacy and connection mm-hmm. and hopefully have an orgasm which she mm-hmm. never had mm. and with that monologue she went and had um she went and had a hymenoplasty um, which apparently they were at the time i had spoken to an, a sexologist dr faisal sakurin um mm-hmm. and he said that in la he'd heard that they were, were quite common about five or wow. ten years ago but uh, with that and of course her husband loved it but of course i don't know what your experience was and we don't have to talk about it on air but a lot of women find the first few times really incredibly painful so having a hymenoplasty where sex is all of a sudden is excruciatingly painful is not fun no (laughs) so she didn't enjoy it or feel sexy at all because of the pain yeah and it made me think about other things like I've got so many girlfriends um, at this stage of my life for moms Mm-hmm. Um, whether their kids are really young or whether they're in their 20s now going yeah. to college. But with that, uh, so many of them who have had to have an episiotomy um, and just where the cut is a little mm-hmm. too very deep. And with that, when they were stitched up, where they got stitched up a little too tight and all of a sudden sex wasn't painful, so they actually had to redo everything. Yeah. And that debate, because it was so painful going through it the first time, do I really want to? It's kind of like, I guess, do when you break an arm, yeah, yeah, do you want to get it rebroken and reset Ooh, again? Yeah. Um, and especially there, where it's such a delicate area, um, just being able to uh, heal. Yeah. But I, I think it about that. It takes a long time to heal as well, I've It heard. does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It does. Ooh. 
painful. I know it's it's bad enough um, just trying to feel confident in your own body mm. on a day-to-day general going to the office, get groceries, never mind also in the bedroom. And mm. that can be really challenging yes. for a lot of people. One thing I love about you is that I always see how confident you are in your own body. And I, I mean, maybe secretly, and I know this has been a huge journey, you know, it's Thank never, you. it's not been easy for you. Um, but it's, I always think I want to feel that way, but I don't know how to. So like, I know you do Qigong, you do a lot mm-hmm. of movement and you teach and you're an amazing teacher. So anyone in Vancouver, you should look up Caroline and, and go to her classes. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, fan girl right here. Um, but it's like, what can you do just, you know, I love the mirror idea of standing there and kind of making eye connection. Was there other things that you kind of had to work on to, to eventually get that confidence? I think the eye contact thing is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely with the mirror. Mirror work is, is really, 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 really big. Mm-hmm. Um, the other pieces with the elastic band are paying yourself money yeah. every time. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, those ones are, are really effective, but the other pieces with that for me personally, um, I've been lucky where I've had different mentors over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Like I can actually still remember Christopher Basson, which Pam from Harbor Dance, if you're listening, you might laugh, <laughs> uh, years ago, I didn't realize he was gay and I used to come to all his classes when I was 16 because mm-hmm. I had the biggest crush on him Aww. and he used to wear the shortest cutoffs. <laughs> yes, I had a massive crush on this beautiful blonde <laughs> god man and uh, one day after class, we were doing, a, it was a jazz class, uh, turns across the floor, just mm-hmm. basic shunnies and I've done them for years with ballet but my body was so stiff and so mm. awkward. He actually made me say out loud, like counting out. So like one, two, I'm beautiful, three, mm. four, I'm sexy. And of course, you know, you're 16, so you start giggling more. And yeah, of course. Like, I feel so stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> but over time, I started letting myself say that kind of stuff as well, where mm-hmm. it's like, I'm that. And for one of the first times in my life, I started believing maybe I wasn't so hideous as possible. When do you think that switch happened? Like, do you remember how old you were? I was probably uh, between 15 and 16. And it was Mm. weird because whenever I was in a ballet studio, I felt truly hideous when I saw myself in the mirror. But I felt like the most confident girl um, mm. in um, when I was on the beach. Okay. If I was later on, yeah. well, maybe not that much later on, uh, <laughs> going to a nightclub and dancing and standing on top of the speaker mm-hmm. uh, and just shaking it. Yeah. Um, I felt really good, super confident to the point I didn't drink because I was worried about losing my balance and not looking as good. Oh. If I wow. um, if I had any alcohol in my system, so I'd basically I was the person the bars love and hate love because at the time you know when I look back at my you know mm-hmm. my young self I was cute yeah. um, you still are thank you <laughs> very beautiful inside and out but I also thought I was stupid oh. um, so it was neat where for a long time as a kid I thought I was just not great mm-hmm. um, in general and then I got cute um, once the acne cleared up my braces mm. came off I got through what I call the ugly duckling transition oh. stage yeah. Um, but it took me a really long time and it wasn't until I started beauty night where I realized maybe I wasn't classic book smart, but maybe I had different types of smart. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of that came with time. Yeah. And I found by the time I was 30, um, I realized on my 30th birthday, if I didn't wake up the next day and I don't mean this in a depressing way, mm-hmm. 
um, I was actually okay with what I'd, I'd had conquered in my life mm-hmm. so far. I felt good about it. Um, it started beauty night, mm-hmm. you know, which I didn't think I'd be doing until I was in my late seventies. Yeah. I had really good friends. Um, you know, I've got family. I've been very, very lucky, yeah. very blessed and I've got my health. So yeah. that was huge. Um, so that, and after that, it's, it's mm-hmm. been good. I feel like looking at those positives, being yeah. grateful for the little things that, you know, are really good about your life. Yeah. Yeah, because we do. We get sucked into the stuff that's not working. Yeah. But what about the stuff that is? But I think that's the piece, too, with it, because all those pieces were working. And mm-hmm. I think back to when I was in my 20s the first time around for acting, I made a whack of money writing at the time, mm-hmm. writing for different uh, travel, lifestyle magazines, mm-hmm. about dating, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Made a decent amount of money, like considering somebody who never actually took a writing class in her life. Yeah. <laughs> I was very lucky um, yeah. and did a lot of work doing voice work. But actual acting, every time I came in and I'd see people in the waiting room, I'd actually feel guilty and I didn't want mm. to actually book the gig because of the fact I was always worried I was taking it from somebody else. Mm, like someone else who really needed it? or uh, Somebody else where I was worried because I was such a pleaser and mm. had to actually address that piece of myself. Mm, right. Which, uh, so in terms of when did things change, mm-hmm. it's it's been a gradual process through my okay. life where I think the final one, which didn't happen until 2014, where... By that point, I'd been doing Beauty Night for 14 years. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2010, I finally started getting paid for it, which my board had to fight me because I felt guilty getting paid for something Mm -hmm. that I really got a lot of joy out of, Um, which there's a great book uh, by Dan Pilata called Uncharitable Mm -hmm. and talks about, as a society, how we perceive charity. Mm -hmm. And I fell right into that because I thought I'd be rich and famous when I started this thing not doing this where you know I was temping all the time at different offices teaching dance classes um and doing this where I was barely you know I was barely living off of like 17 18 thousand dollars a year like I was basically I wouldn't even call myself working poor (laughs) Mm -hmm. um it's pretty crazy I started working for Beauty Night, um, had more money than I'd expected, and even then it wasn't huge money, but because I still had all that other contract work coming in, um, I ended up uh, owing $9,000 in back taxes. My partner at the time lost his job, so Mm. I was supporting both of us on uh, $2,000 a month that I received from Beauty Night. Um, which I still make 30000 a year, which I'll just be super transparent about that with the yeah, charity. Yeah, which, I mean, when, compared to what other executive directors and nonprofits is so, it's little. Mm-hmm. It's literally nothing. I mean, even, in, you know, in a regu- regular job mm. in this city, <laughs> um, you know, God, you have to be making at least, what, 60, 75 to, just get, to by. get by. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's nothing, and I know from your hard work that you deserve more than that. Thank you. But I also understand that struggle. I, I get the you know, it, you feel like you want to do a good thing, yeah, and you love it, yeah, and you're trying to help other people and not wanting to take that money and kind of give it back. No, because you keep yeah. failing that. It's just that that money should go into programming, mm-hmm. but by actually receiving for it. What that shifted was a, like if I, all I have to do is look at the books, which Mm -hmm. before I started getting paid, I, we pulled in $5,000 a year, Mm -hmm. um, within that first year pulled in 50 K. So there was more money because I was able to let go of some of the other stuff. Yes. Which I think that's the big piece. We're terrified of letting go of what's familiar, Mm -hmm. what feels safe. 
to actually take that jump and go. Yeah. And, and then it's also looking after yourself. It is. Right? It's going back to putting that mask on to yes, yourself before everyone else <laughs> or your kids and, you know, seniors. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need that money to take care of yourself so that then you have the you energy. to take care for other people. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest piece for me with the money piece where mm-hmm. I always felt guilty. Um, I'm lucky my... Um, my dad's done very well. And at some point, um, even, even though right now that money's being used to care for him and Mm -hmm. I want him the best life possible, Mm -hmm. I know he's made sure that my brother and I will not be without Mm -hmm. at some point. So I think at my deep roots, I've always felt bad about receiving money where I know at some point, even if it's not Mm -hmm. presently, I have it. So, you know how in uh, recovery, they talk about a lot of people hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I ended up getting a notice from the government saying that they were garnish my wages. So I was going to be living off of $1,000 a month in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Our rent at the time was, I believe it was twelve fifty, mm-hmm. um, and realized we weren't going to do it. So A, I had to have a frank conversation with my partner. Yeah. He had to get a job. And that's hard enough. The money conversation yeah. is, is It's tough. difficult. Um, at that point, I was offered a scholarship for karma teachers mm-hmm. to become a yoga mm-hmm. teacher, which I just finished my first year at Qigong yeah. um, to become a medical Qigong uh, therapist. Everybody thought I was nuts to just say yes to that that scholarship because I was going to be taking a month to do a 200-hour course, mm-hmm. still have to do all my work, and having no money coming in. Um, I said yes, I did it. Best thing ever because mm-hmm. within um, the, I think I believe I graduated on a Thursday that year. Um, I had already been very systematic about business mm-hmm. and drafted up a business plan, everything, um, which people were bugging me when I showed up for the first day of class because they went around a circle. Hi, my name is, yeah. I'm here. I really want to become a yoga teacher, which at the time I'm like, I really want to help people because I do love mm-hmm. connecting body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. Um, but I also know I, I actually need at this stage of my life to be teaching because I, I do need to be sustainable. Yes. And then after that, stuff started coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get involved with a little bit of more volunteer work because, again, I wanted to teach as much as possible to be yeah. the very Just best. Kind of get experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, but because I'd been teaching dance for so long, mm-hmm. I already had certain things that I was decent at as mm-hmm. a teacher. And then from there, it was lovely where um, somehow that started to shift. I managed to pay off all that debt within a year. Amazing. Um, my ex and I broke up. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've been knock on wood very lucky um, with uh, finances where I realized, and it was neat because in terms of things that what we can do to feel confident and etc., um, one of my mentors, Michael David Sims, who's my acting teacher, I was way back when, yeah. as present day. He says to take four sheets of paper, and it's really fascinating because I've used this for life skills development yeah. classes I've done. On one page, what I believe to be true about sex, what I believe to be true about money, what I believe to be true about love, and what I believe to be true about food. Hmm. And then you stream of consciousness writing, where yeah. it's just like what I believe to be true, and you keep writing. Um, so I guided everybody with this, and I did it for a couple groups a couple months ago, and I did find it really fascinating because I found with that belief with money, 
it affected quite a few people. They didn't believe that they could afford to eat well. Mm -hmm. They didn't believe they could make the life changes that they wanted. They didn't believe they could have a relationship because they didn't feel good enough. They didn't have enough. So in terms of body positivity, um, we, I think of our body as a container. So we've got our body, mind, and spirit. So with that, it starts with actual acceptance of self. Mm -hmm. And I think as we keep evolving through time, there's going to be more and more things. Our bodies are going to sag. They're going to wrinkle. I mean, we just have to look at like the industries, like the health industry, where I mean, it's a billion, you know, it's a gazillion dollar industry. Oh yeah. Um, for all of the stuff, like I look at my my dad's bills sometimes, like just mm-hmm. the medications, uh, this that, and he. Yeah, sometimes I worry because he doesn't look as happy because he's not well. Yeah. Um, and is it really kind of us to keep people alive as, as long as we do yeah. where they don't feel good, they don't feel healthy? Yeah. And actually being able to have those conversations. Yeah, should they have the right to make that choice if mm-hmm. they want to end things? Yeah, yeah, and then on the opposite, and you look at uh, the increase of plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. We look at the increase of like... Even yeah, uh, stuff that, it, yeah, I was gonna say Botox, yeah. collagen, yeah. Um, the sheer volumes of supplements that are mm-hmm. out there, and with that, where it's like everything's the right way. I think it starts with again coming back to self. Mm-hmm. Try what well, try things, see yeah. what works for you, but yeah. start with self because once plastic surgery is done. It's can't done. go back. No, and uh, whether or not it's getting liposuction, wh- mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's um, be kind to your body. It's yeah. your container. And yeah. again, it comes down to would you say those things to somebody else? Yeah, that's and most so true. of the time we wouldn't. Um, and I won't lie, uh, most of the time I do feel really good and I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky, so lucky that I get to do all the stuff I do. Um, and I love my students, I love my mm-hmm. friends, my volunteers, yeah. uh, my family. But there are times that stuff does get overwhelming and it comes down to that pleasing piece. So what I've been learning in my old age is I think (laughs) it's, well, you know, I am a hundred and something. I'm good for my age. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it comes down to feeling good about who you are. And because, and I use this analogy a lot in yoga class where I always talk about yoga. To me, um, even though there's so much philosophy behind it, but because I teach a lot of rec centers, etc., I mm-hmm. don't always go into the philosophy behind yeah. it just yeah. because kind of keep it, I yeah, keep it simple. simple. But what I do talk about is the fact that your body is a container through the practice of yoga. A, we forget to breathe three quarters mm-hmm. of the time in life. B, we move into different shapes and learning to check in with yourself. Is it sharp? Is it shooting? Mm-hmm. Is it electric? If so, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, if it's uncomfortable, checking in. Is it because I believe this to be true, where it's something I've been taught since mm-hmm. I was a kid? Is it, you know, is it because of an experience that was really horrifically bad? Yeah. Which may not necessarily be the fact that this time we do it, it's going to be bad too. Mm-hmm. And checking in and breathing into that and seeing if that edge where that trigger is kicking up, are we able to breathe and are you able to go past that? Yeah. Just like you would if you were working on splits where you may hold something for a little bit, yeah. you know, squeeze up, um, yeah. engaging the thigh muscles and then relaxing into it. Or sometimes you get a little bit deeper and that edge yeah. that was there softens. And finding that we shift 
and learning the difference between what's actually dangerous because sometimes we do stay in stuff mm-hmm. because we're like, I just want to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Or I'm strong, I can handle this. Yeah. And being able to recognize that, and that starts with breathing and really being in yeah. your body. And with yoga and being in those different shapes, it's an analogy of life. Oh, definitely. It's not just in the yoga pose. No. (laughs) Life goes up, it goes down. And the more we can breathe and experience those different shapes and being able to check in with ourselves. Is Mm -hmm. it sharp? Is it shooting? Is it electric? Bye-bye. Yes. Or is it uncomfortable? And what can I do to start shifting that? So whether or not we realize that, man, I'm actually prejudiced against that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm being super judgy. Yeah. Is that is that for a reason? Be, or, you know. Where does that stemmed from? Yeah. yeah. I and, mean, it's kind of the reason I do this podcast mm-hmm. is to have these uncomfortable conversations and it's, it's kind of learning for me. It's like what mm. conversation, even the topics, right? It's like, yeah. what conversations do I want to do? And sometimes it's like, oh, I could do this one because that would be easy for me. But I know there's another one in the back burner that for maybe <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I know that that would be way more interesting. Like, why mm. am I afraid to go there? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's been good to kind of sit down with people and talk about things that are deemed uncomfortable and because you actually it's like the softness sets in and you can get past Mm -hmm. that belief that this is a taboo topic or we shouldn't talk about this and I think the more we have those conversations Mm -hmm. and being able to breathe through it we don't get triggered so for Mm -hmm. example on Facebook all you have to do is just patrol through your own feed and just see how people get really angry and part of it is because again it comes back to being on all the time I was joking because my business has always my mantra with it has been jump balance breathe which Mm -hmm. I always thought was kind of summarizes but lately it's been unplug yes breathe be yes which for me is really resonating more with who I am right now and the the students I'm getting coming into class mm-hmm. um, and just, just people where it's almost like they're guides, where it's like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm meant to relearn that or yes. meant it's, to hear that right now. They've come in your life for a reason. Yeah, yeah. and just uh, just trusting. And, uh, and uh, I think that's the biggest piece too is it comes down to boundaries. Mm, boundaries is huge. It's like <laughs> it's a huge. whole topic on its it is but the more we breathe into that just that simple i am Mm -hmm. the more not only do we know who we are even though that changes from moment to moment but there are core bits of us that are our truth Mm -hmm. the more it's easier not to try and please as much because we're coming from a really solid foundation just the way you would if you're going into say warrior two where you want to make sure your feet are nicely foundation before you open up the arms Mm -hmm. and allow the bones to stack it starts with the foundation of the feet first and being able to find that because then you can actually feel that warrior spirit that Mm -hmm. strength that power yeah Yeah. (laughs) it feels good (laughs) and it's the same with that i am it starts with that Mm. the other pieces are tools to try and guide you there and i say try Mm -hmm. them all see what works for you but it comes right down to that and in terms of body positivity it starts with changing those pieces. Mm-hmm. From there, I think the more we do that, the more things will change where people are, are going to be more honest. And they may not be more honest online. And that's yeah. okay. I don't know if that's what that platform's for, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main thing, as long as we show up for ourselves and our yeah. own life, is key. 
and you can't control what other people do think see you never will so you can't but what we can do for that piece of it is set alarms where it's like Mm -hmm. all right i'm checking my email and all my social i have 15 minutes to do it right now (laughs) go notes do it (laughs) um and then that alarm goes off you don't do it again for a while. Yeah. You can actually address all of your things, like with your um, Gmail, etc. where it's like, I will be um, test checking it mm-hmm. from this to that kind of thing. And, and training yeah. the people in our lives. That, um, to respect that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because there are people. I mean, my dad's got dementia, so there's days he, he'll, he'll call me about the same thing 35 mm. times. And he won't remember that I've answered mm-hmm. the phone the first few times. Yeah. Where now, even though I know it causes him anxiety and it hurt me a lot at the beginning, it was killing me um, mm-hmm. not doing it because I'd be so stressed out for the rest of the day and I'd carry that stress with yeah. me. So turning that stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody is listening to this and is looking for uh, job interviews or is, because I know a lot of people are entrepreneurs, so you're mm-hmm. always looking client-wise. Yes. Just being really upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Um just like yeah i'm gonna be checking blah 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 and some people even have it where they'll actually set up for meetings where you can use something like calendar yes where you could actually be like i'm i'm you know blah 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 not available these are the times that are available that's all you've got to choose from yeah Yeah. oh i've been there with my clients (laughs) oh yeah well you've been doing virtual assistants so yeah yes so there was a lot of boundary setting that had to happen oh yeah definitely a big lesson yeah in that you could probably um, do your own podcast on that one uh, which people need to learn (laughs) boundaries for entrepreneurs for sure well i think boundaries for everybody because it's hard if you're an employee it's hard Mm -hmm. too because Mm -hmm. there's that expectation they send you a message at three in the freaking morning why didn't you because i'm sleeping (laughs) or i'm out for dinner with my family or you know or i'm I just want to curl up and watch a movie on Netflix and chill. No the distractions. Fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. No distractions. Just feeling good. Yeah. I'm just taking care of you. And I can't believe I swore yeah. so much in your podcast. I'm so Please sorry. Please do not apologize. <laughs> I always give a little bit of a warning at the beginning. <laughs> there may do be. Don't worry. I could talk to you for hours, but I know that you also need to go teach today. Um, Caroline, thank you for your wisdom. I really always love talking to you but you know that I do and I love talking to you too so thank you so much for having me on here and if anybody's interested in finding out more details Mm -hmm. they can always reach out and we'll post links to Beauty Night Society and any other links you want to share with us for people to reach out to you then I'll post those in the show notes oh my goodness thank you so much thank you Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Now, if you're someone like me who struggles to appreciate your body, then I hope that after listening to Caroline and I's conversation, you walked away with some tools on how to overcome that and hopefully start loving yourself. You can find out more about Caroline at carolinemcgilvery.com and if you're interested in learning more about Beauty Night Society, then head over to their website, beautynight.org. Caroline is also the host of radio shows Sex in Van City and Humans of the Downtown Eastside, which both air on saveonradio.com. I'll make sure to post links to those in the show notes. Now, if you enjoyed our conversation, then feel free to let us know over in the comments section on our website, uncomfortable.blog, or over on any of our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram at uncomfortable.blog and we're on Twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast. 
You can support our little podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging a small $5 per month so that we can keep on running. Visit uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate for more information. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Now go out there and get uncomfortable.